Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. A lot of the kind of, you know, uh, the books or the media or they, they create a romantic view of the entrepreneur as he has to create the next Google or the next Facebook to be a, an entrepreneur. No, there, there are tons of business models that just can be improved and give you a good business to build and grow. Yeah, now you're not going to get from zero valuation to a billion dollar valuation in three years by starting a business that's fundamentally sound that improves the customer experience rely on technology or not. And I think for me, I almost want to kind of like, it can be very intimidating to think it's a make or break if you don't have the next unicorn. And I probably my piece of advice, there are tons of business, business opportunities that are outside of that. Just provide a good service, um, trust your values and build a good team and you'll have a business for sure. For me, being an entrepreneur is part of the journey. It's not being a billionaire. I mean, obviously everyone wants to be successful financially. That's also why we do this, but there's more to it. And good evening, good morning, good afternoon to wherever you are watching or listening to my podcast here in the Philippines or from whatever part of the world you are from. And welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In my podcast, I like to interview the country's pioneering business personalities and up-and-coming and big-time entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business, what are their success secrets, can we replicate them in our own businesses? How have they innovated their businesses during the pandemic and post-pandemic scenario? And more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in our new, new normal? Is there a business personality or an entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. I would love to learn from them. Just drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu and on YouTube. Now, before we begin, are you tired of bank transfer fees and low interest rates? Then if you are, say hello to GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank offers interest rates 50 times higher than traditional banks and offers three, that's right, three free bank transfers to other banks per week. With GoTime Bank, you can make quick and easy transfers to other banks, plus enjoy higher interest rates of 3% per year on your savings. No deposit caps and no need to complete tasks or missions. Plus, as a Gokongwe Group Bank, you can trust GoTime Bank to keep your money safe and secure, download the GoTime Bank app right now and experience the next level of banking. Or you can also visit www.gotime.com.ph. That's G-O-T-Y-M-E.com.ph. Talking about banking and finance tonight, we've got a really interesting guest. We have tonight Michael Cardoso Das Neves, who is the founder and CEO of Cloud CFO. It was established in the early 2016. Cloud CFO offers end-to-end -end cloud accounting and finance services for startups and SMEs in the Philippines. By leveraging cloud technology and online solutions together with a real focus on process and output, 
Cloud CFO has brought accounting 2.0 to the Philippines market. So please welcome my guest here for tonight, Michael Cardoso. Michael, welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Hi, RJ. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a pleasure. Mabuhay. Thanks so much for joining us over here. And this is what I found very interesting about Mike right before we began our conversation. When you were doing technical briefing, I was trying to figure out where he was from. I checked his LinkedIn background. I thought he was from Australia, but apparently you've got a very interesting background. You are French-Portuguese, right? That's correct, yeah. Portuguese family born in France. Interesting. Portuguese family born. So you're like an immigrant family in France, is that right? So yeah, France. yeah, exactly, yes. And then you did your university in France, is that right? And then, uh, uh, no, I, I did my undergrad in France and then I did my master's in Australia. So that's maybe where you, you got the Australian part. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out where the accent is here right now. So it's like <laughs> a hint of French and a hint of Australian English over there. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion here tonight. Okay. So Michael, before we begin here tonight, uh, for the people joining us here right now, they're going, you know, this, the concept of cloud CFO just might fly over their heads. Um, if you yeah. were giving an elevator pitch for what Cloud CFO was, take us back to the time you made your first pitch. What is Cloud CFO all about? In a nutshell, we're cloud accountants. Uh, so we run uh, bookkeeping, accounting, financial reporting, taxes, payroll, kind of end-to-end services for SMEs and startups here. Some large companies as well. So every business needs to do bookkeeping. They need to file their accounts. They need to file their taxes. So you have options. You can either hire a team in-house or you now have the options to outsource it. Traditionally, it's a very fragmented industry, kind of mom and pop accounting practitioners, aside from the large firms. And we come in kind of a, at the concept of accountant 2.0 is we leverage technology and, 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 and primarily cloud-based technology through tools that are available out there and through our own set of applications that we develop where we see there's a need or an opportunity to provide a better experience uh, interfacing with your accountant online. So we, we use existing tools and we build our own and we have our own. Okay, very interesting. And I know we're going to get into it a bit more later on, but mm-hmm. for the people who can't wait, what exactly, I'm, I'm guessing you're right now, what exactly is the secret sauce that gives you that sort of competitive <laughs> advantage versus, let's say, me continuing to keep my accountant in-house or hiring, you know, an, an external accountant for the company, why, why, go, why go to... Why go to Cloud CFO? Uh, I think what makes us unique, aside from the real focus on technology, which I talked about, is process-oriented. I did several years under Big Corp. And when you implement a large ERP like you know SAP or like the, the big systems that the big corps work with, the system just does what the system does. The key is the process orientation. And, and at Cloud CFO, we combine those three aspects. The, the expertise, our accountants, our teams, our leaders, the processization of every business that we onboard. Like we do try to understand or we have the goal to understand your business model and how it works and how does this translate into added value financial statements and information for you as the business leader. And then we plug in technology aspect to deliver this. So it's the three elements. It's not just the typical traditional accounting. And one key aspect of this, I'm not an accountant. I'm, I'm a finance person. I'm an entrepreneur. And this is something that always excited me. Like accountants are, shouldn't be the, the awkward people at the back of the room that handle the paperwork. They should drive value into the business and for business owners to make decisions that are value driven, uh, especially in the time, you know, times like the pandemic and things like this, where things get tight and, and you need to make sure you control your cash flow and understand it. Like, Finance and accounting is a strategic asset, not just uh, not just an admin work. It's it's a it's really the it's finance and accounting becomes sort of like the strategy work, especially during the pandemic. I Absolutely. mean, my wife and I are listening to the conversation right now. Everything pivoted around uh, finance and accounting and how to think of it 
more strategy than just part yeah. of the company. Yeah, absolutely. And that's our purpose is to help our customers primarily. I see. So it's more than just providing, I guess, the accounting and finance services, but it's the, the value and it's sort of like their interpretation of how finance and accounting can work, strategize yeah. and scale your business. Is that sort of like a correct understanding for me? That's the... Yeah, abs absolutely. Answer? Absolutely. It starts with process expertise and then it goes with like having value-oriented analysis and output. But one goes with the other. Without clear processes, clear understanding of how businesses, operations, commercial aspects are just linked to the accounting and finance and how to make it scalable. Especially we work a lot with tech and e-commerce and things like this. So high volume small value of transaction, you, you can't just take it the traditional way where you take every receipt and figure out how you got to interface with technology, you got to understand the processes, uh, how the controls can work with the high volume of transactions. So yeah, it's again, it's the right people working on the right processes, the right tools. That That's what we are about. Okay. And we're going to get into that a bit more later on as we, as yeah. we discuss your entrepreneurial journey to find out why you got the cloud CFO in the first place. But for those who are yeah. interested to learn more about cloud CFO services, uh, let's flash their link here online. For those listening to us, it's cloudcfo.ph. Again, that's cloudcfo.ph if you want to check out more about uh, what Cloud CFO does and their services. But before we get into that one, this is what's, what I find also very interesting, Michael. You used to work for a big multinational corporation here in the Philippines, and yep. you actually have to put up your own business here in the Philippines, which, which I find very, very interesting because the perspective of other Filipinos can be, you know, I will find sometimes greener pastures abroad. And that's where, where they look. But then when people put on what I call their entrepreneurial lens, sometimes they look at the Philippines and say, there's so much opportunity over here that, that you can ignore. So help me better, you know, so we for a better appreciation of the Filipinos and, you know, maybe even Filipinos living abroad who or yeah. are thinking yeah. of doing business here in the Philippines. What are you seeing that, that you want other people to see about? What exactly is the great economic and business opportunity that you are seeing in the Philippines? Actually, I can tell you very quickly about my journey. I mean, I graduated from Australia. And when I graduated, I wanted to stay in Australia. But it was post-GFC. kind of It was hard to get like a local job, get a visa and everything. So opportunities arose in the Philippines. But at the time, I wanted to stay in Australia. And I, I got a great offer for a great company here and beer and started with a company called ICTSI, which is a known group here. And then six years later, I was back in Australia being their CFO for Australian market. And that's when I quit. And I quit that job, which I would have killed for six years ago to come back to Manila and start literally from scratch. And what I saw in it is, I mean, there's so many opportunities, there's so many things to be done. There is, if you have the entrepreneurial mindset, you don't see the challenges of the Philippines as a challenge. You see it as an opportunity. It's a young population. It's a, it's a, it's you know a very positive people, uh, motivated. Yeah, it's dynamic. It, it moves a lot. I mean, you can see it. Everything is you know constantly moving, constantly evolving. I moved to the Philippines ten years ago. There is, I mean, there are fields in BGC, right? There, you could cross like patches of grass for like hundreds of meters and now it's a big city so that's what i see that's personally what i see it's the growth it's the dynamic workforce dynamic environment and a lot of changes happening and i do see that as an opportunity fantastic so michael I, let's talk about now about that entrepreneurial journey of yours so yeah. uh you were saying that that you did work for itcsi which which you know yeah. is a big uh, filipino company with, with some logistics and shipping company with, with branches all over the world and may I say most of the developed world actually is where you find yeah. most of the itcsi companies tell me when you began that entrepreneurial journey what were you seeing from there that planted sort of like the initial seeds uh, to become an entrepreneur. I'm sure when you were working there, so you saw everything that was happening. And what did you start realizing as you were working? 
actually, this might sound kind of <laughs> anti-entrepreneur, but I didn't really know when I left my role, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to start my own business. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of leads. I could expand my family business from back home abroad and kind of bring internationally. And I did, because I did work in the finance field, I did see the opportunity to bring added value financial services to SMEs and not just global corps and like, you know, not, the, not only the big guys need good financial advice and good financial reports. But I can't say I had a like a ha moment that is like, okay, this is it. I'm rendering my resignation because I've got the perfect plan. It, it was a journey. It, it took me a few months to really narrow down the business plan. Like I had a few leads. I just wanted to start my own thing. That's really what drove me. I knew I had a great job, a great career with them. They, I'm very grateful for the opportunities they gave me. But I just thought if I stay here too long, I'm never going to start my own thing. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go the corporate way. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I always had the entrepreneurial hitch. So I think the hitch got too hitchy. And I just decided <laughs> I'm going to go for it. And then I'll figure out how to build a, you know, a, a sustainable business from there. And that's how it started. And I moved back to Manila. And it's like randomly, some people start asking me like, oh, you've got experience. Can you help me out? Like I have a startup, but I can't get my financials to make any sense. Can you just consult for me? And that's kind of how it started. And then we like, yeah, there's something there. So that's when the uh, moment came, but it was later on. What I find very amazing for you is that, you know, you didn't have a parachute. You kind of left the job. I mean, if I, if yeah. I think about it and coming from your experience, you were saying it, you would have killed to work in Australia uh, yeah. six years ago, but you actually got the job. And you opted to come back to Manila. I don't know if it's retreading what you talked about earlier on, but why choose Manila versus working in Australia or even going back to, to France, I guess? For what I mentioned, I mean, Melbourne is a fantastic place where I live. Everything works. Everything was there. Like, you know, <laughs> every, and back home is the same I mean, back in France. And, and I thought Manila had so much to offer in terms of like building frame from scratch and being part of a journey, part of a change in the entire environment. Yeah, obviously the temptation to go back to common ground was there. But I actually thought, you know what, if I have to... If I, if I have to go back to step one, let's do it the raw approach. Like the, you know, let, let's go back to fundamentals, a place that is raw to a certain extent. And I don't mean that in a bad way, in a good way. Like there's everything to be, there's many things to be built. Um, and that's what excited me. Um, yeah. More than kind of doing something in, in a more mature environment or more mature market. I get you and I appreciate the sort of work that you're doing over here. Now, I think it's interesting for me. You came back here, a couple of opportunities opened up. And you sort of said, okay, you stumbled upon the pain point of SMEs. So when when that germ of the idea happened, what was the next step? Because like you said, entrepreneurial mindset is basically turning challenges into opportunities. What bring us through the journey when you turned that, this sort of challenge that you saw into a business opportunity that was workable? Yeah, I mean, outsourcing is something I thought was very interested. I mean, the world was kind of like outsource specialization where like it, everything collaborates on different things to build businesses. So I, I was always excited by that. Initially, I thought, let's do the, you know, I mean, this is one of the capitals of the world for BPOs. So I thought, let's, why not go back to Australia, sell the services, build a, build a team from here, rely on technology to do remote. But I realized everyone's doing that. I mean, not everyone's doing that, but a lot of people are doing that. And there's no one trying to do it for the Philippines or they're not doing it in a way that I thought was added value. So yeah, initially the idea was to go back to like, a BPO. And then, yeah, I realized that there is no cloud accountants in the local market. And there are growing ecosystem of startups, tech companies, SMEs, businesses, 
restaurants, service companies, BPOs that wanted the services we're offering. So our first challenge and our first objective was to see if we could do this for the local market. That was really the first kind of milestone we wanted to figure out. Can we do it? Can we build the process? Can we build systems that work for the Philippines market at a price that's competitive? And that's our first assumption. That's how we started this journey. You saying that cloud's actually abroad. What happens there is that, and I'm actually into outsourcing as well. I have a company called Entropy, yeah. and they help foreign businesses offshore outsource to the Philippines because the opportunity which we saw was that smaller companies abroad want to put up over here, but they yeah. couldn't afford the larger companies to work with to set up. Yeah. So we were thinking we would work for MSMEs or SMEs there. So after you looked at outsourcing, what was the other opportunity you were also looking at? Because I mean, you were exploring different opportunities, and how do you how do you how do you know which ones to choose? You know, because there's so many competing opportunities out there. And I think that was a little when the mature, like the the idea already matured at that point. I think it's my first few months after leaving the corporate job. I had a few consultancy projects, but those were not long term. So I had an opportunity to bring family business to Asia and Middle East. My family is in construction in a specific area of construction, but it just didn't feel right. I think the I I go a lot by gut feel, and I just didn't have the same aspiration as as this one. So. There were a few others, but this just felt right. And so it didn't click right away. And I was exploring a few things. So, you know, bring it a bring construction business here or, or to the Middle East and outsourcing ever globally or Philippines. And that's the one that's really struck me as something interesting. We probably would have grown faster if we had gone a, like BPO way, uh, because learning to do what we were doing or what we were doing in the Philippines is difficult. It's a regulatory environment that's much harder than other environments, but we learned great things by doing so. And actually now we are exporting it since last year because we've actually learned how to do it really, really well for this market. And if you can do it here, you can definitely do it in, in other places. Oh, I, li- I like that. If you can do it in the Philippines, you can reapply other places because yeah. of the challenging regulatory environment, I guess. Absolutely. Okay, you found that idea would work with doing sort of like outsourcing for financial work. So people keep on saying, you know, I have a great idea, but you know, great ideas is just homework, right? It's just thesis. It's really literally doing it live or or getting executed. How did you go about executing this, especially if you don't mind me saying, especially being a foreigner doing this in in the Philippines and selling the business and and, marketing the business? I mean, it started word of mouth, really, just kind of like proving the concept. Can we do it? Does it work? What systems do we need? What process do we need to work on? Hiring a few people and then expanded from there. So we just started traditional way. I'm a bit of a traditional investor. I didn't have like the intention to raise tons of money, at least not at the beginning. And I, I just wanted to prove the concept, bootstrap and snowball from there. And that's exactly what we did. Like we just hired a, a small team and then the small team became 20 people then 50 people and 100 people. And that's how we went. We took the long route, which is not very trendy these days. It's more like, you know, here's a deck and I'm going to raise a few million dollars and try to go big or go home. And I took the more traditional way. So it could be longer, but I think it's it's probably even more gratifying then. I can see you don't you don't seem to have the stress of the other startups I've actually had here on, <laughs> on the program. We seem to be very calm here, but arena waiting furiously underwater. But then, having said that, when you did start off, and you know, for those who don't understand what bootstrapping means, really bootstrapping means that you are burning your own money. I mean, you're using your That's own right. money to run the business. Um, That's right. It can be a bit nerve wracking putting up the business and using your own money. I mean, the first couple of months, I would think, were a bit stressful. You know, yeah. it up because you weren't sure that it would be successful. 
what did you have to keep in mind uh, during the time? I hope in mind because many people are, are also in that space. You know, they're saying, "Okay, I got my own money. How do I know that it's good to proceed? Should I stop?" Um, you know, I mean, because your your all systems go, but of course, you're just relying basically on your gut that it's going to work. Yeah, and I, I think you you got to. I mean, for me, what what kept me kind of focused and like first, I think if you're an entrepreneur, you got to be when you start, you got to be willing to think to think you're going to fail, right? It's if I mean. Odds are not necessarily in your favor. They're not necessarily completely against you. But so I had like some money aside and I said, okay, this is what I have. And this is what I have to burn. And I have to burn it's, you know, like burn in not a bad way, but like, you know, the burn as expending cash to, to expand your business. And can I prove a fundamental business model with that? And yeah, we, we were able to. But I think to remove the stress, it's more like, okay, this is my runway and this is what I have to. This is the, you know, this is the coins I have to play with and, and this, is what I, this is how I'm going to approach it. So you have to be a bit conservative, uh, and then, but you also have to take the risk you have to take. And if you play your cards the right way, then, you know, building a fundamental business model that is proven, you, you make money uh, providing a good service and, and then people refer you to other people. And then you build, once you get to generate some cash flow, you build some new marketing channels and then you grow from there. Now you do need a bit of money aside to make sure you, you have food on the table and you can pay the rent. And I just had a certain runway and I had to make it work with that runway. That's how, that's how we approached it. But it is stressful, especially when you come from a pretty comfortable corporate world where, you know, the next paycheck is there. That's probably a stressful part. But my, my only advice for people who want to take the journey is enjoy the ride. And, and if anything, you're going to learn something really, really interesting, not just professionally, but personally. And I, I think that's kind of like how I approached this, how I dealt with the stress, how I dealt with the, the you're not sure if it's going to work. We're in or lose. I'm going to learn something. And that's how I approached this. I, I like that. Uh, win or lose. I'm still gaining something in the end. Yeah. I guess that's even the best perspective coming into the situation. Now, was there any point when you were doing this one where you felt that, I'm sure because I've gone through it, I don't know if you've gone through it as well, but you know, you were thinking, oh my God, they did the right thing. I mean, there's a low point. People talk about the low points. Like for me, I, could, I mean, I could have just kept my job. I could have just, what is that low point for you, if you don't mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are 80% of good days and there are sometimes 20% of bad days. And I think for as long as that ratio stays like that, I think you're on the right track. Now, I don't think I ever asked myself, I should have kept the corporate role because I think in my mindset, if I fail, I can always find a job. I mean, if you try hard enough and you're dedicated and I'll land on my feet, that's kind of like how, how I felt about this. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
But yeah, there are times where you like, really? <laughs> Especially in the beginning, you're doing everything, right? Especially when you're bootstrapping, you can't afford a HR manager, a finance manager, all the managers. So you're doing a bit of everything and you prioritize spending your, the, the, you know, the cash flow you generate from the business in two different areas. And then as you grow, then you get more comfortable and you build a structure around you. But at the beginning, you're doing a bit of everything. But that was part of the learning. And that's what I was willing to almost pay to learn because you, you're really kind of burning your own savings and you're learning things. And school doesn't teach you that. Your masters won't teach you that. I mean, they'll, they'll give you tools. Corporate world will teach you some of it. But when you got to do everything from like printing the documents, assigning it to getting on a call with a lead to bringing next client that's going to get you the next hire. It, like you can't learn that. And some people find this kind of like, ah, oh, why am I doing this? I, I just found that very, very great learning experience, humbling almost because yeah, especially when you join the corporate world, you think at some point you think, oh, okay, I don't have to do this anymore. When you're an entrepreneur, you can't have that mindset in, in my experience. You do all the dirty work. I mean, that's not yeah. the You oh, do what like, you have to do. Yeah. yeah. You do all the dirty work. So there did come those points for you. And if you don't mind me asking, what was at one point when you were doing cloud CFO work where you realized, yes, it's going to work? That, that, or that one moment where you said, okay, this is going to be a, a good business to do? Fairly quickly, we realized our, our unit economics made sense. That we can provide a good service at a good price. There's definitely a market for a price range and for people that see the value in our mission and what we're trying to provide as a service. I think that response was there very fairly quickly. And then we realized, okay, now can we scale this? So, but kind of the make or break, because our business model is traditional, right? We make money as a service provider. Some businesses, especially more innovative businesses in tech or e-commerce, like their monetization strategy is not fully defined yet. And that's a bit more not, a bit more not breaking. For us, the recipe is proven. I mean, accounting services exist for as long as businesses exist. And, and that's our objective was to bring it to a next level. And is there a business model for it? And I think we kind of, I mean, within the first year, we were able to kind of show that there is something there. How big could we bring it? That's the following years that, that prove that. Fantastic. I want to talk about scaling the business right now for you in yeah. just a bit. But right now, let's take the view of the consumer side or rather the client side yeah. now for Club CFO. I run a relatively small business. Uh, you know, I, I run a food market where we have a lot of tenants in the market. Yeah. And what are the sort of services that I should approach for Cloud CFO? What are the pain points that you're seeing for us that need, need to be solved by Cloud CFO? First thing is kind of, you know, making sure you, you have a clear view of what needs to be done from a regulatory perspective. Like, you know, you understand your tax obligations, you understand when they're due, and you have a party or a provider that doesn't notify you the day before. And so that's what we're about. Our, our application, our accountants will give you notices way ahead of time. So like the regulatory part, like the calendar, the obligations you have um, by running your business, like we take care of that and give you full disability. Then the next point is like, okay, can I give you a profit and loss and a balance sheet and give you some ratios that really help you make decisions about your business? Um, if you have a market, for example, you may have inventory and, and if you run a business cash base, cash in and cash out, inventory will skew your numbers. If you buy a lot of inventory this month, well, you may spread that over two months. So this month looks bad. The next two months will look good from a cash flow perspective, but that doesn't reflect the financial performance of your business. And that's where we come in. Like we help you set up the right processes, the right understanding of how the business works financially. So that every month we'll tell you, RJ, like this month's good from a cash perspective, but that's because you didn't buy any inventory. You burnt what you, you know, you used what you bought 
the previous smarts. And that, that's just one simple example. And that's what we're about, is, is really about adding value from day-to-day operations of your business. Okay, now that I better understand how it works, if you don't mind, I, I mean, this is great. Can you give me a nice case study where you've seen that, where, where you guys have actually come in as cloud CFO and you oh, wow. and the business has grown as a result of you. I mean, where it was, where it was at the start, you know, just basic account, quote, unquote, accounting services, but when the value added came to the analytical perspective, because for small businesses, they, they aren't there to analyze. They're just there to survive day to day. And they know where they're coming from, right? So they, they, yeah. don't, they can't see the forest for the trees because they just focus on survival. But then when you came in, you were able to say, we can help you actually scale if you understand your numbers yeah. better. Please. We have quite a few examples. I think, I mean, I, I can quote a few. So with tech, for example, tech is a, is a particular issue where like understanding your tax obligations can be very tricky. Um, if you're in a marketplace where you contact, you, you connect sellers and buyers and you, you collect the fee from the seller, just understanding how this works is tricky. So first is understanding that and how you make it scale. Because if you have a thousand transactions in your platform and you need to multiply your number of accountants by 10 to get to 10,000 transactions on your platform, it's not scalable. I mean, it's, it's just not how tech functions. And if you're not approaching it the right way, uh, then that's what could happen possibly for you. And so we've helped quite a few tech companies really understand how the business model can scale through the use of technology and, and processes and the expertise of our team. So tech tech is one field where, especially in the, in the Philippines, regulatory environment was not really tech-oriented uh, a few years back. And it's really catching up now, but there are completely gray areas. And we had to help entrepreneurs navigate that gray area. Another example would be pandemic. I mean, pandemic potentially cash squeezed every business out there. And if you were running your business on cash in, cash out, and not understanding the concepts of working capital, inventory, turnaround times, and things like this. So if you were kind of not very sophisticated or didn't have anyone in your corner that could bring that kind of discussion and understanding, it was really hard to navigate the pandemic. So this is really where I think, I, I hope our, our customers can attest to that. We, we helped quite a few understand, you know, you have X amount of cash in bank. These are your liabilities foreseeable for the future, regardless of your close or you're open for the next six months. This is what you need to do to make it happen. And yeah, and I think that's that's what really kept us motivating as well during the tough times is, is we're helping business survive or thrive in, in, certain, in certain cases. So I'm, I'm really, I'm guessing that cloud CFO business actually grew during the pandemic, uh, to my mind. We did. Because- yeah, we did. Yes and no. I mean, we did, uh, for, so for example, we had a sector that we're traditionally really strong on is, is F&B, um, bars, restaurants, because they do run inventories, they have POSs, a lot, lot of transactions, so they're quite receptive to the value proposition we have. Those guys did suffer quite a bit during the pandemic, and they had to reduce cost and shut down, so some size of our portfolio really downsized. But the tech and the service and the areas that kept flourishing during the pandemic and had to almost kind of like get a crash course in digitalization of business processes, yeah, they, we did quite well in those, in those segments. Uh, it's nice to see actually how cloud CFO is working. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to think like an entrepreneur again right now. So the biggest thing right now they're saying is that, okay, let's compare the costs now of actually working with a yeah. cloud CFO. Because for me, to my mind, okay, uh, let me keep my I, my accountant and yeah. maybe somebody who does the finance for me, just my, my projections for me. How would that cost of that one of keeping that secretary be versus, say, going full to cloud CFO? So our key kind of arbitrage there is you don't need, uh, so we all work as like our, every client we work with, regardless of size, one, one man company to yeah, a thousand employee firm, 
we always work with a team. So we have accountants, senior accountants, accounting managers. In some cases, I even come in and advise on certain things. So you as an SME, you don't need a full-time senior manager or a full-time CFO, or you probably need a full-time accountant or a bookkeeper. And if you were to afford all these positions, they'll be quite expensive, but you don't need their expertise on a full-time basis. So when you work with people like us, once it's processized, we maybe spend an hour of senior time for that client, but that hour will make the difference because that's the key fundamental question that a a junior accountant can't answer for you. Uh, So it's kind of bundling the right expertise, the right amount of time allocated to each different process and each report that we submit to you. So that's how we make it worth it in terms of cost arbitrage against you hiring you, yes, for sure you can hire an accountant, but can you hire an accountant sometime of a supervisor and sometime of a manager and even a few hours of a CFO if you need it? No, you can't do that. You'll have to hire four different positions full time. So you actually spend time with the client. I mean, for me, that, that, for yeah. me, that sounds like a godsend for me because, you know, you sometimes need an outside perspective that comes from another, from somebody from outside the industry to tell you how you guys are doing. And I yeah. think that would be yeah. the biggest benefit for me to work with uh, a cloud CFO. Yeah. Uh, with the, with the as a cloud CFO client. Yeah. I mean, your managers handle the relationships very well and, and they're, you know, they, they understand everything we're talking about from like fundamentals that impact the business, KPIs. And I'm just, I mean, the simple is just getting a PL, a profit and loss, a balance sheet, a cash flow statement, doing the bank reconciliation. So, like, kind of the, the fundamental accounting work is the minimum that we need to have those conversations are meaningful. And then those conversations are usually led by our team leads or most senior accountants that we also train. But if there's a really complex issue, then I'll join in, like related to process or some some stuff that we're not entirely sure about, that we'll join in until we have the right answer. Great. So when they use the services of Cloud CFO, what do they? Is it something that you talk to, or is there an app that they go to? How does it? Yeah, like, there's an app. It's a meeting. No, I mean we have a web application where all like document exchange or standardized, like you can, we give you an email address that, you know, client at app.cloudcfo.ph, any documents you send there, our team gets, and they know they have to do the bookkeeping for it. So our application really is the 2.0 aspect of it because expertise is available for every firm. We bring in our applications, bringing a unique experience where we digitalize every process that you have and then plug it into the expertise and the other systems that we use, like the accounting ERPs and things like this. So digitalization of documents, digitalization of processes, giving you reminders when your tax are dues, making sure you have proofs and things for our application. So we really create a unique experience for our app on how to engage with your accountant 2.0. Got that. Now, finally, let's talk now about your business going back to Cloud CFO. Yeah. And what I find interesting right now is you're talking about scaling a business and you, you were able to help other people scale, the tech companies scale, the FMB yeah. scale. How do you see scaling from a cloud CFO perspective for your business? We've taken, as I mentioned earlier, the snowball approach. Uh, and we've grown, uh, we've doubled the first year and then you know 80% growth and 80% growth, a bit less during pandemic and then 80% growth. So we're kind of going at it like almost organically, but I just the snowball is growing. We're a service-based company. If we if we do a good job, we keep clients and then we add new ones because they hear about us. Our marketing channels are also kind of you know making us known to the world out there. So right now that's how we're going about it. Last year we expanded globally, so now we have customers pretty much from California to New Zealand on multiple countries. Because we've learned that actually what we do here is also not that easily available in more mature markets. Uh, And what we've learned how to do it, our app complements a team of accountant experts 
we've realized there's a market for it abroad. And, and now we are expanding globally as well. So we keep growing in the Philippines. That's our first market. And that's uh, kind of a market that's close to our heart. But now we're really also going abroad. The app is not idiosyncratic or, you know, it's mm. for the Philippines. It's something that can actually be used. I mean, we have a we have a payroll app, for example, that's really tailored to the Philippines market. But the kind of the customer interface, the enhancing the accounting experience is really is really customizable for for every market. And where do you see Cloud CFO in the next five years? We'd love to keep reinforcing that integration between expertise, service, and tech. Over the past few years, everyone was tech, tech, tech. And I mean, tech is a strong enabler for us. I'm, I'm a very strong believer in what technology can do for businesses. But for me, I'm never kind of, you know, we had the temptation to just become a tech company and just build an app that other accounting firms could use. But I would lose control over the overall experience. And, and I see technology as, as a very strong uh, improver of the experience of talking to experts and not just kind of a, a separate tool. And that's how we would like this to evolve. Uh, I mean, all the talk now is about AI and how about shaking certain like white collar industries and things like this. So we don't, we don't hide and, and get scared about this. We actually like, yeah, okay. Like this sounds very exciting. We don't have to focus on data entry anymore. We can really focus on adding value more. That's, I think, where that's the way we want to ride over the next few years. I get a better appreciation because when people say cloud CFO, you're thinking, oh, this is an aggressive startup. It's going to be raising money. Series A, Series B. I mean, yeah. initially, uh, that's how I, I thought coming into this conversation. But actually, it's not. It's you're actually running it like a sort of like a traditional business, which really comes yeah. by word of mouth. It's built on the strength of the of the number of clients that you bring in. I mean, it, it's. Uh, did you actually even get um, outside investors to grow the business or did you just use it? Yeah, we, we did once. Uh, we worked with a company called Civ Capital at the time. And they're, they're not traditional VCs or kind of they expect certain very high growth rates. And I think we did have the opportunity. We did have discussions. I mean, that's a fantastic model. If you can scale a tech company at 10x a year, uh, by all means, go ahead. But if you're a service provider, I don't think you can do that and maintain a service quality. Because at the end of the day, it's people. Uh, we got we to gotta hire. We got to train. We got to mentor, we got to promote, and that takes time. Uh, so we can do it and we can grow quite fast, but not at the rates that like, you know, venture capitalists would, would usually look at a business model. And then I realized like we're cash generating business. So that's great at our own pace. So we hire new developers for the app when we have cash flow for it. And we invest in new marketing channels when we can. So it's the way I wanted to run a business. It, it keeps gives me a certain level of independence, as you can expect, because I don't have that many investors to, you know, or I'm not chasing the next funding round, right? Because you, when you go down that route, your decision making is how can I raise my next round in a year? And that's something as an entrepreneur, I it can be super exciting. And I, I definitely talk to many friends who are in that type of business and I admire what they do. It's it's super high pace, super exciting, and they achieve very, very interesting things. But that that was not what I wanted to do. I, I just wanted to take the long route, build expertise, work with people that have need the time to adjust to what we do. Uh, every time we release a new feature, actually the customer adoption is easy. You just tell them, hey, there's a new cool thing you can do training our team on how they can optimize the use of that new feature to make their workflow better takes probably longer than you're training the client on how to use it. Okay. That's just because that's, that's, we need to train and evolve. And I find this is a very refreshing, actually, discussion on the podcast that, you know, it's not just all about growth, growth, growth. Sometimes, you know, you right. take a look at what, what, is, what are the fundamentals that make the business work. And as a service provider, yeah. this is what you need. Yeah. I mean, this is the ambition, but, you know, you, you don't always have to go for that. 
Yeah, I mean, we grow, we grow quite well. I mean, you know, we, we're <laughs> probably not doubling the business every year, but close to. And as a service company, that's already something that it's not easy to achieve. It's, it's quite disruptive. Tech, tech is like, you know, 10x or 100x sometimes, like some crazy growth rates that because it's technology, you can scale just by more bandwidth, more, more, more service space, and that can work. When you have people actually pushing the service, it's very hard to grow. Even growing at our rates is, is something we have to constantly focus on and adapt to. Well, bravo to all the hard work that you've been putting into uh, growing Cloud CFO. Now, if you don't yeah. mind, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of entrepreneurs who actually listen to the show and they're thinking, you know, what are the business opportunities I can also learn that I can, I can do? Because many people, when they're starting off, you know, one of the biggest fears of entrepreneurs is they're saying the business is already packed. I mean, there's, there's, you know, I mean, there's no chance to grow anymore. There's no other businesses available. But you have the unique perspective to see, you know, Cloud CFO and say, you know, I'm seeing opportunities there, but I don't have the time yeah. to pursue it. Are you seeing opportunities emerging from, from your perspective, from the business that you're working with or from trends that you're seeing that there are still opportunities for entrepreneurs to enter into? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's more the mindset. And I think we've kind of romanticized a lot of the kind of, you know, uh, the books or the media or they create a romantic view of the entrepreneur as he has to create the next Google or the next Facebook to be a, an entrepreneur. No, there, there are tons of business models that just can be improved and give you a good business to build and grow. Yeah, now you're not going to get from zero valuation to a billion dollar valuation in three years by starting a business that's fundamentally sound that improves the customer experience, rely on technology or not. And I think for me, I almost want to kind of like, it can be very intimidating to think it's a make or break if you don't have the next unicorn. And probably my piece of advice, there are tons of business business opportunities that are outside of that. Just provide a good service, um, trust your values and build a good team and you'll have a business for sure. For me, being an entrepreneur is part of the journey. It's not being a billionaire. I mean, obviously everyone wants to be successful financially. That's also why we do this, but there's more to it, um, I I think. I like that. Uh, Thank you so much. I mean, this is also a very sobering perspective. You know, there's no need to always be the next unicorn. There's so many opportunities out there. We don't always have to look at the flashy models yeah. that are out there to become that, that, that entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. But what are you seeing also as well? Are there specific industries that, that interest you right now or specific outsourcing? I want to pick your brains a bit more. Yeah, for me, I think if you... Outsourcing still has huge opportunities for development. We only do accounting because we're so process-oriented that it's very hard to kind of know, do this in marketing and understand, be experts at marketing processes, for example. We're just one specific, you know, KPO, not really BPO, and we built technology to support that service. Uh, so there are infinite opportunities to, to keep working on that. Uh, I think automation is an area that's really hot at the moment, but I think this requires quite a bit of investment technology. And there's so much to be done there. And, and I think in places like the Philippines, there's still so many opportunities in tech and the ecosystem is growing. So yeah, I think there's tons of opportunities. Uh, you, you just can't chase them all because you only have 24 hours in the day and you have to sleep for a few hours out of those 24. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Michael. It's been, it's a, it's been yeah. such a refreshing discussion uh, to get with you. And as, as we start thanks. to wrap up the discussion, I want to ask also for those people listening, you know, you, you've gone the career route, you've gone the entrepreneurial route because you were able to, I guess, approach it with a very measured, a very measured approach to growing the mm-hmm. business. It's become successful in its own right. What, what pieces of advice would you like to give uh, future entrepreneurs also putting up their businesses? Any management hacks or great pieces of advice uh, that you have, maybe two to three, that they can hack the way towards success, I guess, or growing their businesses? Um. 
I think so. I mean, it, it, this sounds a bit cliche, but it's a lot about the team. You can't do it all. And you have to find the right people around you. Like you can only be a successful businesses if you've got a successful team around you. But that takes time and finding the right leaders. So I think my advice is almost go, I'm, I'm not saying follow my example at all. It's more like you can't achieve everything in one year. It's not a sprint. It's a hell of a marathon. And you will face times where, yeah, you feel like your legs can't run anymore and you don't know where the next bottle of water is going to come. And it's a marathon. So take your time and make decisions that are beneficial to your business in the long run and, and not tomorrow. Well, Michael, thanks so much. Again, I want to talk about Cloud CFO. If you guys are interested to look at Cloud CFO, uh, this is their website. Let's flash it again on the screen, Julio. That's cloudcfo.ph and cloudcfo.ph. Again, Michael, thank you so much for this really interesting Thanks. discussion. Personally, I found it something that was enlightening for me. You're not always racing to be to be there on top or, or, or raising money at the same time. Sometimes it's a matter of you just say, okay, I know that business is. I want to be in control. We, you'll get there. There's no, you, you're not measuring yourself against anybody, but yeah. I guess against yourself. Uh, that, that's why I yeah. see it coming from you. Yeah, and I mean, okay, there are great opportunities by raising money and going fast and beating beating competitors to the market. Obviously, that model is, is proven and it works. And I'm not saying we're not going to probably follow it in the future, but at the moment, I think we, we're happy with our growth and with what we've achieved. And yeah, thanks for, for giving me the opportunity to share our journey and what we do uh, on your show. Very much appreciated. Okay. Again, thanks so much, Michael, our CEO of Cloud CFO. So again, thanks guys for listening. We will see you again in the next episode of the RJ Ledesma podcast. Thanks guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.